Hello and welcome to the Serious Games Podcast. All about playful methods for interactive trainings and facilitation. Let's get started. And today we're connected to Tampa, Florida, directly to the U.S. with Lisa de Almeida. And uh, I met Lisa um, over LinkedIn. I literally saw a post of you about a game that you've developed, the virtual world, a scrum simulation. So I reached out. It took us a couple of weeks. And now we're here. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Yes, thank you. Hi, everyone. So, um, yeah, why don't we just jump in directly? Two questions. Um, I like to start with number one, what should our listeners know about you? So who are you? What do you do? Um, why did you develop this game? And on the other hand, um, how would you describe this um, virtual world scrum simulation in, let's say, 25 seconds, like a pitch? All right. So I am an enterprise coach uh, and trainer. My passion is really, really training instructional design. Um, and so I developed this uh, simulation to help uh, students experience Scrum in a virtual setting, you know, when we had to transition in March due to the pandemic. Yeah, and mm. it really allows um, students to experience building a product that is not software based um, using all of the elements of Scrum, you know. Mm. Okay, wow, great, great. And what brought you to this um, role and job? And um, can you share a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I, I actually started my career in IT in the waterfall world. Uh, and then mm -hmm. my company transitioned to Scrum, and I was in the first class of product owners. So that was my first role. I don't have a technical background. I have a business background. Um, mm. And then uh, after a couple of years as a product owner, I decided to uh, venture into the Scrum Master role. And I did that, you know, helped some teams become more productive. Uh, and then I just grew my knowledge, went to conferences, read books, went to meetups and became a team coach and now enterprise coach. Yes. Okay. Wow. Wow. Great. Great. So um, let's talk about the simulation. So you surely mentioned the goal and we now have some time to dig in a little bit deeper. What would you say um, are what, what makes it different to all the other? Let's let me start like this. What, what makes it different um, to all the other? virtualized scrum simulations out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's for me, it allows me as a trainer to take students all the way from visioning to, you mm. know, daily scrum, sprint review and retrospective, right? So they mm. get to experience the full journey um, and as well as work in a scrum team um, setting, you know, just to get uh, more familiar with the dynamics of the process uh, and mm. the dynamics of a scrum team working more collaboratively and uh, the specific roles and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my first impression was that, it, that it's fairly flexible. So what do you need to prepare? So let's say next week there's a training. Uh, online. Um, of yeah. course, you want to use the simulation. How do you prepare the canvases? How do you prepare the students? How do you prepare yourself? Yeah, so I have been using Mural. Um, I'm sure that there's, you know, if you have a similar tool, uh, you can leverage that. You can even probably use Google Drive with a little bit of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, setup. Mm -hmm. Um, but typically, this is in a two-day class. You, I've used it in a day class as well. So the first thing is that students have to form their teams. You know, the teams are four to six uh, team members, and then they mm -hmm. select a role. You know, am I going to be product owner? Am I going to be scrum master, development team member? Um, okay. And then so hold on. Is that uh, like so? 
the product owner role would be one team or is one product owner per team? It would be one product owner per team. So it's just, okay, you know, it. just mm-hmm. like a scrum team. Um, now, because mm-hmm. it's four to six team uh, members in a team, mm-hmm. uh, there are combined roles, right? So I may be product owner, but I also play mm-hmm. as a development team member, meaning I do the work, right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that can happen as well. But it's nice because in the debrief, I actually pull that question and say, oh, some of you had combined roles. What were some of the disadvantages you noticed? Um, and mm-hmm. that's really nice because some companies Companies still, you know, have combined roles. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, my style of working the simulation is um, I'm trainer from the back of the room certified. So Mm. I want to make sure Mm. I don't do a lot of lecture without some activity exercises. So I normally introduce the concept followed by the practice. You know, so mm-hmm. for instance, I introduce a vision. Um, I typically use um, a vision statement by Jeffrey Moore. So that, you know, very simple syntax. And then I send mm-hmm. uh, students over to the breakout rooms and say, okay, now it's the time for you to create the vision for your product. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so I work through, I work in that format with the lecture plus the practice throughout the whole simulation. Right. So mm-hmm, we do, mm-hmm. we talk about refinement and then they get to refine. We talk about sprint planning. They get to plan the sprint. Uh, we talk mm-hmm. about daily. They do their daily. And then we come okay. together, reconvene uh, at the end. And then we do a sprint review where I, I'm the stakeholder. I provide feedback on mm-hmm. the product and then they do a retrospective. Okay. So look, this is literally while the simulation is running. Um, I have two questions uh, for you. Number one is, how do you set them up at the very, very beginning? So even before the simulation starts, what do they need to know? Or could you play this with, um, let's say, any type of group that wants to get to experience what the Scrum framework, what it is like? working in a scrum dynamic? Yeah, you can. It's it's just going to require the lecture, right? So that they understand what they do in each mm. of the events, you know. Uh, they understand mm. what a backlog is and how you seed or start that backlog. So you have to give a little bit of, um, you know, of that context, uh, but mm-hmm. in the setup, typically I show an example of uh, my farm, you know, which was the first virtual uh, mm-hmm. uh, product um, that I created was a virtual farm, a tourist, mm-hmm. tourism farm, just to give him the idea. And what I talk about is that this simulation really allows you to focus on the user journey, right? So it's like if you're inviting a user to your farm, uh, a visitor to your farm, here's what you have. They are welcomed here. Then there's a station for this and mm-hmm. they get to play here and so on. So they get the visual of the journey, right? Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. I ask them to form the teams and select a product, mm-hmm. Uh, when okay. I started, it was a city, farm, or zoo. Uh, okay. But since then, I've added island uh, because we've been, uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen a lot of COVID-19 free islands. Mm. We just want to okay. go elsewhere. A lot of students are wanting to go elsewhere and play mm. with that concept. So um, okay. I've added, a, you know, another part of the world. Sounds great. Sounds great. So literally, um, you know, this is an 
easy part that facilitators can then tweak and um, adjust that to their needs, yes. right? All right. So four to six, well, I would assume that your classes are larger than that. So are you saying you're playing this with three to four teams in parallel? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have several. Mm-hmm. And then on the same, on the same whiteboard then? Uh, no. So each team oh. uh, has their own canvas. Um, each team has mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A, a room for their vision statement. Um, if I'm doing product owner classes, I take I take it a little give it, give a little bit of, um, more steps. So they actually mm-hmm. identify the user types in a bullseye with primary users, secondary users, and tertiary users. And then for mm-hmm. that primary user, uh, they develop a persona. And that, so that's all on the team canvas. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. So and, and then I, I imagine you're going back and forth through uh, lecturing a little bit and then letting them work um, on the specific um, content okay. piece that you've just lectured. And then they come back and forward. So just from before we now, you know, go to this point where the simulation starts, but is this something you would play throughout a whole training setup? Um, or do you play this in several days? Or uh, No, it gets to a point in my class, and, and that's towards uh, day two. Um, but of course, mm-hmm. if you are doing a single day, so it would be in the afternoon. So it's definitely, you don't mm-hmm. start there because you have to level okay. set on what Scrum is, you know, the definition, the agile yeah. principles, uh, the roles, a little bit of explanation mm-hmm. on the roles there before you can actually get to, okay, we're ready to build a product, you know, leveraging uh, mm-hmm. Scrum events. So it would be towards okay. um, the second half of a class or second day of a class. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, second half. Good. So everything is well prepared. Any specific information on the canvas, um, on the the mural or Myra board that that you need? Or is it just a blank canvas they start from? No, I have on the canvas all of the um, templates. So if it's Jeffrey Moore, I have that syntax there. They just fill that in. Um, for the for the users identifying the users is a bullseye, so they just add post-its to that bullseye with the user types, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then if it's persona, I have a little persona template where they can pull in a picture for that persona, a quote for the persona, some of the pains and gains and feelings for the persona. Mm-hmm. So we've got templates for okay. so each team gets their set of templates. Um, Okay. Now, uh, for the, the simulation itself, I just have a column for the product backlog so they can create user stories mm-hmm. or, you know, product backlog items. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I have a column for sprint backlog that has the board to do in progress done. Uh, and then a okay, big yeah. space for, you know, uh, to allow them to be creative for whatever they, mm-hmm. um, they want to do. Okay. All right. Understood. And then, of course, we assume that the learners know how to use the whiteboard tool, right? So you mentioned adding post-its, moving them around, maybe pulling up some pictures from the web or from the databases that are connected. Again, I know that um, you are showing um, those templates on your website. I will link those pictures and, of course, the website in the show notes so that our listeners can then have a look and, and have see a look. Uh, what did your template looks like. Yeah, huh? Exactly. Okay, great. So they're all set up. Um, first lecture over. They're turning over to their Myra board. So you wouldn't literally need to put them into breakout rooms, right? Yes, or do you need to, to be in a closed group? Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
how does it start? How do they start? So you ask them to move over and to create the vision. Um, and um, do you choose a table or group facilitator? Or is this part of the Scrum Master role? How, how do they literally get their hands on the board? And yeah, start? they self-organize. Uh, so they do have the roles, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so typically, there's a product owner in the group. And so the team may ask questions about, okay, what? tell me more about this island. Is it for adults only? Tell me more about the zoo. Is it for uh, you know, it's kind of a zoo, zoos and brews. That's one of I've seen, you know, we can drink while we go to the zoo. Uh, and then based on that conversation, they together create the vision. So I've seen as, as students say, hey, who is going to write this time? So they kind of take turns to use the canvas, um, but they really self-organize. I just give them the syntax and mm. the information to create that uh, that uh, vision with the syntax. Okay. And then, um, again, vision, customers, personas. How do they get started on the backlog? Then? Yeah, I just ask them to see the backlog. I do mention user story mapping, uh, prune the tree and different you know, techniques. Uh, but essentially, I give them 10 minutes to you know, brainstorm together different different user stories based on that vision that they've just created, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I typically do the brainstorm in two time boxes. The first five minutes is group brainstorm, so you're talking while you're writing down the post-its, and then the next five minutes is silence. Uh, I like them to experience both ways because when I'm running workshops, I've noticed um, some differences in in the creation of the mm -hmm. backlog. Mm -hmm. Okay, so backlog, sorting, and how does the building process then kick off? Yeah, so we then say, okay, we need 10 minutes for backlog refinement. So they go back into their rooms and add more details to the items uh, that, um, that they just created. They define um, also with the help of the product owner order of priority, right? So what would what do we hit, we need to work on first? Uh, and especially, I like to emphasize that we want to make sure that every sprint they have potentially um, a releasable product. So when they're making decisions mm. about what to pull into a sprint, they have to think about, am mm. I going to end up with a slide so of something that I could potentially release to my customers or visitors, right? And so, mm -hmm. so then they have a conversation and, uh, and then we start the sprint. Uh, a sprint typically has two days of work, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. I give them around seven minutes for sprint planning. So that's when they uh, start uh, building the sprint backlog, pulling the items from the product backlog, adding the tasks or detail on how they're going to get that item to done. Uh, and then mm -hmm. I, get to, I give them 10 minutes for uh, day one to work and that's actually building starting to pull in images build a framework sometimes they build roads and things like mm. that uh and then three minutes for the daily scrum before they have another 10 minutes for day two of work okay well, oh my god i really have the feeling that we need to list the timings because i've been trying to count and but i will ask you at the very end how much does it take in total the quickest and longest time um but when you're referring to day one or the amount of work for about two days, um, that's an equivalent then for what? Because the question that I have is, you know, I, let's, let's make an example. So I'm in this island and I really want to have this wonderful bar, right, um, directly on the ocean and only my favorite drinks and great music and, and so on and so on. Now, 
how would I possibly estimate that? Because it it sounds like a dra drag and drop job <laughs> for the moral it, board, it, right? It is a drag and drop board a uh, uh, job, but it's a lot of conversation because they want to make sure that the, okay. the you know the product fulfills that vision and that they have um, uh, you know there's a little element of competition that their product looks better so they want creative mm. things like you know I don't know uh, if this happened in Germany but here in the US we ran out of toilet paper uh, so a lot of students uh -huh. have toilet paper stations and things like that so there's a lot of Okay. A lot of conversation to make it fun and creative and different. All right. So you just don't want to have like a one picture dragged and dropped from the web uh, representing a bar. You really want to have a nice, beautiful representation with some details. And then uh, it's like a collage. Exactly. Say, it's right? exactly. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's a collage. Some students yeah. add text mm -hmm. to it, you know, signs to it mm -hmm. um, and things like that to enhance and to make sure that, okay. you know, they can uh, explain what's going on in that literal station, you know, as, as uh, visitors are moving. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. And, you know, um, when I ask you what, what, what is different in this virtual simulation, of course, we all know, let's say, like a Lego Scrum City game, or in fact, there is a podcast episode in German, though, on the Lego Zoo simulation, right? And there also, you want to make it nice. You're just not going to put a few random yes. bricks together, right? Yeah. You really want to make it look like a house or look like an aquarium Correct. or whatever yeah. you're building yes. there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, got got you. But how still how how would you uh, you know estimate that? Um so to to come to your sprint backlog, right? Um to make sure that um it is um yeah that you have the, the right amount of items, uh product backlog items in there. How do they estimate a bar versus a toilet? Yeah, I don't think they get to any estimation uh, at the time. I mean, or if you mean about uh, mm. the ta the task level, right? I think it's just we give them the time box mm. for the work day, the 10 minutes, uh, and then they work together. And it's in, in my experience, I get to watch them because I can go into the different murals while mm. they're um um, they're working and I also can jump into the breakout rooms. In my experience, there, there's just a lot of swarming, to be honest with you. So they don't really mm -hmm. focus on let's estimate or plan for the whole uh, sprint. They say, okay, we need to get this one item mm -hmm. done, you know, set that up. And then maybe two, three people are wor working on that and having ideas. So we can put a sign mm -hmm. here. We can put, uh, add the price for this here, you know, Uh, so it's, oh, yeah, we can have a, a host or a concierge here. So they're just really working through how they want to visually display mm. um, that particular um, mm. uh, item on the on the product. Right. Um, so they're not really mm. necessary tasking and adding an estimate for like it's going to take us three minutes to do this or one minute to do this. It's just more of a, we got a 10 minute uh, time box to create a slice of that product. Uh, let's work on item number one. Okay, got you, got you. So these sprints and then planning. So you're going through all the ceremonies and that's how the flow yes, then develops, exactly. right? Um, so let's see, what conclusions do participants draw while being in the simulation? What happens? Can you can you share a few stories on um, maybe even surprising things that, that you uh, saw maybe in the early iterations also of the game where you yeah, said, I didn't uh, A that. lot of it has been around 
the the level of detail that they need to make an item actionable. So a lot mm-hmm. of times they mention, yeah, I, I wish we had more time or did a better job in refinement, which is a very common thing in the real world as well, right? Um, sometimes it is a, a, about how they're self-organizing, right? Sometimes it's that they didn't jump in with mm-hmm. some sort of team agreement or rules. So there's a little bit of conflict or there's uh, overlap of tasks or duties, uh, things like that, you know, which is really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. because it's um, what happens, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the trenches. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And any other common observations so i understood that um they're never looking at the competition in the room right so you have three different boards did you ever try playing it on one board where they can see how the other teams <laughs> are progressing? Add some stress no i i have not but i do uh, have a coach who, who actually pinged me and said hey I'm, i'm adding a twist to your simulation he adds a big sign in uh-huh. the middle of the sprint and it's like stop Nero has a problem this is an impediment and then uh oh. you're supposed to figure out that the scrum master has to be go back to the lobby and you know leave the breakout room and try to remove that impediment mm-hmm. so you definitely can add some twists and turns to this it's flexible enough yeah Okay, okay, good to know, good to know. And um, maybe you can share some results that your learners came up with and then I could add them to the podcast and the show notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited about the creativity I'm seeing. I'm seeing a, a Labradoodle farm, uh, which was extremely cute. Wow. Uh, zoos and brews. Uh, so that's essentially, you can go to a zoo and get some drinks along the way. I've seen adult only islands. Uh, they were not, you know, X-rated islands, but they were mm-hmm. adult only. So I'm having a lot of fun uh, with it. All right. So the creativity, the flow, the things that they are discovering. But what are common, you know, maybe blind spots, things that your learners seldomly discover or that you really want them to discover and point that out in a debrief? Yeah, I have uh, some favorite debrief questions, which are, um, uh, what did Mm -hmm. you learn? Um, What made you successful? Uh, what was challenging. So that's when I typically mm-hmm. hear about, okay, we needed more detail or we weren't very organized. Um, I mm-hmm. ask, what are the parallels between the game and real life? So what happened here in the simulation that happens, you know, in the office as well? And then the other one, uh, which I mentioned before, which is what are the disadvantages of combined roles, right? So some of you had combined roles, you're a product owner and mm-hmm. a dev team member, What were some of the disadvantages there? Yeah. Um, they uh, Sometimes I ask too, so what's, you know, what are the advantages of delivering products in this iterative and incremental way? Because in that very first cycle, um, a lot of them could open their island or open their zoo or open um, uh, their farm already. They have enough. And so that would give them a leg up in terms of the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And how do you facilitate this debriefing? Is this a conversation that then um, all of the groups do together or do you deliberately mix them up so that they can also learn from the experiences of the other groups and how is it recorded what is your process there yeah so typically towards the end we do a sprint review so that's everybody Mm. we're back from the breakout room so Mm. everybody um is doing review uh we do one team at a time then i send them back to the breakout rooms for a short retrospective 
Um, they come back and share one action item. Um, if they had a okay. sprint, another sprint, what would they do uh, differently? And then we debrief. So we debrief as a class. You know, so mm-hmm. I ask these questions for the for the larger group, um, mm-hmm. and then we just share um, whoever wants to share. Okay, and um, we know that you know after an agile game or serious game or simulation people experienced what it's like they reflected they had you know great fun they've been in the flow they've um, had some aha moments and insights how do you really make sure that they uh, remember the learning outcomes and what they've experienced in their day-to-day after the class is over uh yeah that's a it's a it's a really good question i I don't know that I can go back and verify it, but for me, the importance of a game or a simulation like this is that some students haven't had a chance to experience the flow. And you can talk all day long about how a retrospective looks like, what you're supposed to do, uh, you know, what the scrum master does, but it's it's a very, very different story when you actually Uh, you're on the hook to deliver a product and you have a time mm. box and you have to lean on the events to make sure that you are mm. efficient and um, effective. Right. Uh, so that's um, I'm, I'm having a lot of students that are looking for scrum outside of it. So they literally have no experience. They have not experienced the process. Mm. So this is really about creating a safe environment in which they can experience yeah. and, And then it's easier um, to get started when they go back to work. Mm-hmm. And then they probably want to keep what they've created, right? You yes. export the board and yes. give it to them. Yeah, we export the board uh, and they get emotionally attached to it. Yes. They <laughs> <laughs> can't believe that. All right. So, and are there any, um, yeah, let's say either before, um, during, or after dissimulations, are there any um, activities or maybe even little games um, that you um, found particularly suitable before, during, or after? So on top of this simulation? Yeah, so I do orientation, mural orientation in my classes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have some simple activities at the very beginning where I say, okay, I want you to pull a, po- a post-it, change the color, add the initials. And we have a practice area or orientation area um, where, uh, you know, students can do that. And then I say, okay, now bring a picture of something that brings you joy. So they get, they get mm-hmm. used to the notion of searching the library for pictures, importing pictures and yeah. things like that. And then I say, okay, add now an icon. So that's another menu. I do give them some guidance mm-hmm. on how to, they can zoom in, zoom out, use the outline. It's a very basic uh, functionality before they get started. All right. Now, um, let's talk about timings here. So you mentioned day two, afternoon. I mean, are we talking about a, a three-hour simulation? Of course, I know it, it depends on how much um, input you're giving in between and, of course, maybe how much they know and how much you want to discuss. Yeah. But could you give us a rough timeline here? I mean, is this something that can be done in one hour or would you say, no, you need at least... X hours. Yeah, so the time box for 
the the simulation itself not accounting for lecture right it's five, mm-hmm. five uh, 50 to 60 minutes um you can okay. do all of that simulation only yeah mm-hmm. so from backlog refinement mm-hmm. all the way to retrospective so if you don't want to do a vision or persona or mm-hmm. any of that you can do that in 50 to 60 minutes of simulation mm-hmm. yes um, but, um, of course, if they've never heard about refinement or planning or a backlog, then you need to set that up, you know, make sure that you provide that mm. information. Well, I know that with the um, Lego City from simulation and the physical learning environments, the trainer sometimes brings backlog items, vision, you know, and parts with them. Do, do you also sometimes do that maybe to speed up the process or for any other reason? Because you're saying, well, it's not really the focus for them to um, to do, let's say, user story mapping. So I'll just, you know, have that uh, somewhat ready. Yeah, absolutely. In my in-person classes with the Lego um, uh, simulation, I do. I give them, uh, I do a city mm-hmm. and I give them already uh, uh, backlog items. You know, I went to build a church or a school or uh, a kindergarten uh, to speed it up. Um, but no, I haven't yeah. had to do that in, in the virtual world um, because I I have had the luxury of having more time to do my classes. But if you are, you know, pressed on time, you definitely can do that. You know, get some items already mm-hmm. uh, pre-filled out and then even refined with enough level of detail. So they just have to do a little added refinement or, you know, have a discussion mm-hmm. so you can shorten it that way. Okay, understood. You can also shorten the time time boxes. So instead of 10 minutes, give seven minutes for refinement. You know, I have done mm-hmm. that. Depending on where I am in class, I just shorten the time boxes. Um, mm-hmm. The point is for them to really experience the, the flow in this notion of building product iteratively and incrementally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can really see that happening. And, and again, I really like the flexibility um as you mentioned city farm zoo islands or any other Mm -hmm. things uh that uh, facilitators might want to come up with uh, specifically for their target group so what do you think have we covered everything i i understood it's set up the boards um the timings the roles the input the lectures and the debrief collecting that and then um, making sure that um, yeah, the board gets exported. The board gets exported, yeah. I think a lot of students <laughs> are having fun because we all have this longing for our favorite places, you know, so this is really mm-hmm. allowing them to go back to um, favorite spots. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I think even this could be a great, you know, especially when, when the team gets emotionally attached to the product, that's also a nice debriefing moment, right? It's like, well, you know, um, there, there's uh, parts of the um, DNA of the framework um, and dynamics that really make sure that you deliver, right? That you make sure that you check in with your product owner. Yes. And with, you know, with the sprint review, when I'm the stakeholder, you know, it's very, very um, obvious that if they're not close to the customers, they can go off in, in different directions or miss really mm-hmm. important um, um, you know, steps. Mm-hmm. Like I've had COVID-19 free islands and they didn't have any step to ensure that people that were coming into the island were uh, COVID free, you know, and so we find that mm-hmm. out in review. 
Yes. Okay. So let's um, shortly talk about your role as a facilitator then. Um, I understand, right? The input, uh, setting everything up, adding them to the breakout rooms, et cetera, the technical parts. Now, if, if, if a listener wants to um, play this game, and we'll get into um, where they can you know, um, access um, the material and, and uh, get insights uh, shortly, but um, what are things that uh, you need to look out for that you might even know that teams are struggling with where they just need a little push or some help or some extra eyes? In yeah. So ideally, um, you're not doing this by yourself. You have a facilitator. So you have the help of someone who can jump into the breakout rooms. Uh, with it, which is nice about Miro and all of these virtual canvases is that you can actually watch the students as they're building. So you can mm -hmm. see, okay, we're five minutes within this time box. I don't see anything yet. I better jump into the mm -hmm. room and help them out, right? Or um, a lot of times the students already know to leave the room and ask questions. Um, so mm -hmm. it's just paying attention to that dynamic, uh, watching the murals and jumping into breakout room from breakout room to mm -hmm. help out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So being present and just, you know, keeping the eyes and the hearts open uh, just to make sure you're not missing anything and that you collect, you know, uh, your impressions for the feedback then that that's all. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Another twist you could add, which uh, if you, if you would have a team that's a little bit more mature, you can give them the full uh, time box and say, okay, you're going to have, you know, 30 minutes to do your refinement, planning, day one, day two, and your daily, and then we'll be mm -hmm. back for review. Yeah. Uh, and so you have your scrum masters help the team manage the time box and make sure everything gets done. Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay. Wow. Great, great. So um, let's see. What What is the most unique experience you had with that simulation? <laughs> <laughs> or how often have you played it so far? I mean... <laughs> um, uh, I how many boards have you seen? I mean, <laughs> nothing like unique, but I'm just um, really pleased to see how creative people are, um, you know, how much fun mm -hmm. they have um, in the in just seeing the proliferation of, you know, cities and zoos and islands out there as different trainers are, are using it. So uh, that's what's been really fun. Okay. Wow. Great. And for you, what is the secret sauce of the virtual world scrum simulation what makes it really work um, of course you have um, scrum the lectures the board um, the emotional connection but what what makes it really work yeah for me what makes it really work is um, allowing students to um, kind of pair uh, pair up with me you know to learn these concepts because mm -hmm. the way I do an interweaving the the lecture and the practice, um, it gives them a really nice break in the virtual world where I'm not lecturing for an hour about sprint planning and they have no yes. idea, you know, what this looks like, right? Mm. So for me, it's just this setup where we can uh, teach them a concept, spend 10 minutes on that concept and say, okay, now you go do it. That's kind of the, mm -hmm, the secret mm -hmm. sauce of, of making it work. Okay. And of course, as a training on the back of the room practitioner, we would never <laughs> lecture for an hour. And in fact, you know, I think, you know, in this virtual learning environments, you even have to do shorter um, time boxes yeah. on lecturing. I mean, let's talk about, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes, 10 minutes, and then adding, adding some, some interaction. interaction. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the secret sauce. It's, it's that this allows you to have that interaction as you're teaching some pretty you know, heavy and long concepts. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Lisa, I have two final questions. Number one, what is your ultimate facilitation tip? And that is not only for um, the virtual world scrum simulation, maybe just in general, what would you shout out to our listeners? Um, I think it's just, um, it's important in the virtual world to repeat your instructions uh, and then, you know, verify that students understand, um, you know, um, so I'm, I'm concentrating a lot on that, you know, repeating a couple of times and saying, okay, this is again, or giving them an example. Okay, so this is, this is what the vision statement would look like for my city, uh, you know, for my farm, remember, I had a farm, so giving them examples. So when they are in the breakout rooms, they know what to do, and they're all engaged. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And, um, well, this is my final question. Um, now, if a listener wants to play and facilitate the, the virtual world, um, either themselves or want to learn more about it, what should they do? Yeah, um, they can definitely reach out to me. Um, I'll be happy to share, you know, more details. I'm trying to put, um, um, you know, examples of the templates in the virtual scrum simulation site. Um, and that's all, all free. Mm -hmm. It's out there. So just reach out to me in LinkedIn. If you have questions, I'll be happy to um, give give an overview, provide more information. Perfect. Perfect. So there's no certification process that we now need to go. Through. <laughs> nope. It's all free. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I ask is that reach out and let me know how it went and share some of the results. Yeah. Uh, so that we can continue to add twists and turns. Right, right. And I will link, um, again, also your LinkedIn yeah. profile and the website and bits and pieces that you mentioned throughout this yeah. episode. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, we could pick your brain on, on the game that you uh, created. Again, I, I, I love that it's so flexible. You need a whiteboard and then you're ready to go. Yeah. Um, you need to, of course, make sure that you know the steps and that you get the timings right. And of course, make sure that the, um, the learners are comfortable with um, A, they know what they're doing, but B, um, they know um, which role adds to the final product in which way. And of course, that they're then um, present so that they can um, not only in the sprint review look upon what they've created, but also in the debrief of the simulation, see how the bits and pieces can serve them. In right. Their day -day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A big thank you to, to Florida. Lisa, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Stay well. <laughs> We will. And you too. And to all our listeners, stay safe. And um, yeah, listen to the other episodes of the Serious Games podcast. And of course, not only Lisa, also I am looking forward to your feedback. Uh, reach out, uh, LinkedIn, email, or your favorite podcast player. Till next time, bye-bye. You can reach us at hello at keylearning.net. We're looking forward to your suggestions, comments, and feedback.